Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. This morning we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. This is where Jesus cleanses the temple. John, chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. The word of God for us this morning. So we're approaching spring here, and no doubt we all have our spring cleaning rituals. As we turn to the gospel lesson this morning, I'd like for us to think of Jesus' cleansing the temple as a form of, of spring cleaning. In cleansing the temple, Jesus purged the house of God of its corruption and disorder. He stood against the secular trappings which had crept into the worship practices of the people of his day in order to make the temple pure and holy once more. So in the sermon this morning, I'd like to take a moment to look at the story more closely, paying particular attention to how it speaks to us today. The story begins, the, Passover's, the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Passover, you'll remember, was one of the holiest feast days of the Jewish faith. It celebrated the night on which God liberated the slaves in Egypt, sending the angel of death through the streets, taking the life of every firstborn male, but passing over the homes of the Israelites on which the blood of the lamb was smeared on the door. We remember that. Passover is in the spring of the year when travel conditions were at their best and So tens of thousands of faithful pilgrims would flock to the temple from all over the Mediterranean to celebrate Passover, making their sacrifices to God and paying their half-shekel temple tax. Now think about the logistics for a minute. It's estimated that the population of Jerusalem would swell from about 5,000 to 180,000 people at Passover. Pilgrims would come from as far away as Persia, Syria, Egypt, Greece, and Rome. So, for example, let's think about State College on the Saturday afternoon of a Penn State football game and then hold on to that crowd for a week instead of a day. That's a lot of hungry mouths to feed, a lot of weary travelers to put up for the nights. Plus, they're coming to make a sacrifice. They're going to need an unblemished animal for that. 
they're also going to need to pay their temple tax. Somebody's going to have to help them exchange their currency. You get the picture here? The commercial implications of Passover were enormous, perhaps comparable to the Christmas season here in the United States today. So I think it's safe to say the merchants were making a killing off the week of Passover. But were they really doing anything wrong? You could say that by exchanging money and selling birds and animals for the sacrifice they were providing a service. And that's true. Now, it's also true in the Synoptic Gospels, meaning Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus accuses the merchants of cheating people. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. That's from Matthew. Perhaps there was some price gouging going on, but this is not the focus of Jesus' anger, according to John. As far as John is concerned, Jesus is upset because all this buying and selling has intruded upon the sacred space for worship. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace, a house of commerce. John's view of the situation is a pretty good example of how good intentions often get out of hand. A merchant innocently sets up a corner uh, table of the temple where worshipers might stop and uh, exchange a few coins. Another merchant follows suit, and another and another. And before you know it, the temple has turned into an exchange house. <coughs> the temple in Jesus' day had been, uh, it had really become a marketplace. It had lost its sacred character. It was very well attended. It was a beehive of activity, but there wasn't a lot of reverence and spirituality. And it wasn't necessarily because the priests and the merchants were bad people, but because perhaps unintentionally they'd lost sight of the fact that it was, after all, holy ground on which they were standing. So Jesus took a whip, drove out the merchants and the sheep and the cattle, and brought the activities of the temple to a screeching halt. Then the temple leaders asked him, and rightly asked him, what sign can you show us for doing this? In other words, by what authority have you come in here and disrupt the temple? Jesus' answer was hardly what they expected to hear, though. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. This is John's way of letting us know that the focus has now shifted from the temple to Jesus and to the prophecy of his death and resurrection. The point is, if the temple is truly the dwelling place of God, then the temple of God is no longer to be thought of as the physical structure in Jerusalem, or any other structure for that matter, but the person of Jesus Christ. And what this means for us this morning is that the temple of God today is to be found in the hearts and minds of those who honor Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, wherever they may happen to be. This is what Paul told the Corinthians when he said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? We are the temple of the living God in the world today, and this is where Jesus' cleansing the temple hits home for us. As we consider the many ways we've become lax in our spiritual disciplines and soft in our resistance to evil thoughts and destructive behaviors and accommodating to the secular and often selfish values of the world in which we live in, we're all prone to a little backsliding from time to time. It's not as if we go off the deep end and 
forsake our Christian calling altogether. It's just that we let little things slip into our everyday lives and take precedent over our commitment to Christ and his kingdom until our relationship to Jesus Christ becomes secondary and nominal at best. It's a subtle process, this turning the temple into a marketplace. Like the houses we live in, a little dust and dirt built up on the baseboards and in those hard-to-reach nooks and crannies of each room. Lint balls accumulate under the beds, mildew forms in the shower stall, around the tub. Coffee stains may appear on the carpet. Cobwebs hang from the ceiling. It all happens so slowly that we hardly notice. Until one day an alarm goes off and we come to our senses and we realize it's time to do some spring cleaning and put our house back into order. And this is what I hope you'll take home with you today. Lent is a time of looking within and taking note of the various ways you've strayed from the righteousness of God. It's a time for cleansing the temple and making our lives, our mind, our body, and our soul worthy places for the Spirit of God to dwell. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sacrifice for you. Let us pray. Lord, make us to be a sanctuary for you. Purify our minds, bodies, and souls for your honor and glory. Remove the dust and filth of this world so that we may focus our lives on you. In Jesus' name, amen.